The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, the Chiefs, one of eight teams remaining. How are we feeling? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. good. It was it was perfectly reasonable to be uh, worried about the Chiefs going into the wild card round, but they... Uh, Certainly put in a convincing win on uh, Sunday night. So there's every reason to feel good about it. Yeah, I think everyone probably is happy coming out of that victory. A 42 to 21 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We no longer have to see Big Ben anymore, which I know a lot of people are excited about. I'm wondering who the Steelers quarterback will be next year. I was walking into Arrowhead the other night and I tweeted this out, but I'll share with our, our podcast listeners who don't. Uh, do Twitter aren't on Twitter. I saw one Steelers fan screaming to a Chiefs fan. We'll see you next year with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of confidence from Pittsburgh Nation going into that game. I think they were prepared <laughs> for exactly what happened and, and ready to see a new quarterback themselves. And, and for their sake, hopefully it is someone like Aaron Rodgers and Russ Wilson and not a Dwayne Haskins or a, 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 a who's the other one? Mason Rudolph, or, or for example. Right. I don't, I don't think that that is the answer. What's if the over like, under on uh, NFL fan bases that are convinced Aaron Rodgers will be the, their quarterback next year. What's I know definitely right the Denver Broncos feel good. I also think Pittsburgh's in that mix and yeah. what both franchises don't realize is they can only play for one and it may not even be them. Maybe there's a way if green Bay is able to at least get to the Super Bowl this year, that they wind up keeping him. But yeah, a lot of hope in, in a guy who, I mean, there's, there's no guarantee in him for, for next year. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a big week in Kansas city as the chiefs are getting ready for their divisional round matchup against the Buffalo bills. Five thirty on Sunday really feels like a, a game of the year possibility in the NFL. These two teams are playing well. And I think they might be the two best teams in the AFC, but the Titans got that first seed, so they're they're meeting right away here. And and I I can sense the excitement starting to tick up. I don't I don't think it was crazy heading into the wild card round, but I I I feel that this week it, I don't know it just feels a little bit more like the entire city is invested in this upcoming game, John. Oh yeah, I wonder how many we have to make a count. We should go through and make a count how many games the Chiefs have played this season that have been seen as the game of the year. I mean, uh, this is the second game against the Bills that might have been seen that way going into the game, right? Yeah. Uh, in week five, uh, it was seen as a, as a big game. Uh, the game against the Bengals was seen as the big game. Uh, the Ravens, too. Um, right. They the, get the bigger Chiefs as have, they go. Yeah, the, they, the Chiefs have been at the top of these lists all season this year. Cowboys I, was supposed to be a big yeah. game and then all mm -hmm. those those COVID listings and then the injury and uh to to Lamb and and you thought that Chiefs Packers would be a big game right right Aaron Rodgers situation who knows maybe we we do end up getting Chiefs and Packers sometime soon here if you enjoy the Arrowhead Pride Editor show we encourage you to leave a rating and a review we have a few to go th through today 
Uh, first one, I, I can't read the username because it, it looks like a lot of random letters. I don't think that is a, a word. <laughs> but the five-star review after sampling four or five Chiefs podcasts a few years ago, a few weeks ago, Arrowhead Pride is the only one worth adding to the sports lineup, even if they do stink at trivia questions. <laughs> Who won that first ever Week 18 game? Minnesota Vikings won that first ever Week 18 game against Washington in 1993. Uh, there was another 18-week season in 2001 with a one-week pause after 9-11, but I don't think that counts. Okay, thank you. Uh, there are like a 1,000 Chiefs podcasts. This is from Paul, and this is definitely one of them. There is unmistakable content and they are undeniably hosts from the fan post paul <laughs> i don't know what that means i know paul oh yeah you know okay paul. yeah thanks paul paul Fowler. <laughs> he's your friend a friend of yours well i, I didn't say that but i know him i'm, oh, I'm familiar well, with him yeah. i've i've interacted with him i i wouldn't we all you know, know people who maybe we wouldn't wouldn't put into the friend category right well and i'm not saying that's not a that's not anything bad about paul i don't know yeah. him extremely well but i do know the man so paul's all right i guess um speaking of people who know you this chief season ticket member from 1977 <laughs> i i told you to check out this review john i did this is great. Okay, here we go. Outstanding Chiefs coverage, he says. Five stars. I've been reading AP since its launch and is a longtime AP pod listener. The AP staff does a great job with year-round Chiefs coverage. Without further ado, here's my power rankings of AP pod. <laughs> the editor show. The show is very professional and provides great insight without all the undue speculation and rants of other shows. I'm a big fan of the esteemed deputy editor, uh, in parentheses. He rocks. Oh. Even oh. if Pete cuts him off from time to time. So sorry to you, John. <laughs> uh, number two, the Great British Chief Show brings back good memories of my trips to the UK, including 2015 at Wembley. Number three, show and BK fun takes, uh, analysis and laugh out loud entertainment. Giggles aside, <laughs> sorry, Serta. <laughs> number four, from the podium and several other shows too numerous to mention. Pete, I have a suggestion for off-season content. I'd really enjoy a regular column or pod from the esteemed deputy editor about past chief seasons, games, players, etc. Call it Old Guy Takes by John Dixon. <laughs> Make the pod segments about the same length as the Arrowhead Drive. I attended the 1991 game against the Bills that John mentioned in a previous pod, and his takes about that game and season were right on. He probably also remembers... We beat the Dolphins the next weekend at Arrowhead, but then lost to the Broncos at Mile High. Anyway, thanks to all the AP staff for all that you do. John, do you have any response to clearly your biggest fan here? Well, I, I promise. Uh, I promise here and now, Pete, that I yeah. will not rest until I'm able to determine which member of my family wrote that review. <laughs> uh, very exciting. Uh, to, to, to hear you well, and uh, it's, uh, also, it's thank you. I don't know if thank you, you very he was, much. He was trying to assign you work. I don't know if you saw <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that, that, I don't know if anybody in my family would do that. So maybe it isn't my family, but that yeah, was my know. first reaction. That's an appreciated part uh, <laughs> of the review for sure. Okay. Let's get into the news here. A, a little bit of news. Um, once again, we have the injury bug that we need to continue to talk about when it comes to your Kansas City Chiefs. First at the the running back position, sounds like Darrell Williams tried to play in the Chiefs win over those Pittsburgh Steelers, but couldn't put a lot of weight on his toe. We did see him for a fumble, so not, not a great appearance by Darrell Williams. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire continues to miss games uh, as he deals with that shoulder injury and, and Jarek McKinnon was out there and I think a lot of Chiefs fans have been happy with the performance of McKinnon. I've seen some interesting takes on Twitter about maybe Clyde and Daryl and and it seems like everyone John is leaning into what has become RB4. I mean if, if you really think about it because Derek Gorg was considered the number three for so long while McKinnon was out so the fourth running back does indeed look like maybe the best running back. What do you think? Well, it certainly looked that way uh, on Sunday. I mean, it, it, McKinnon was amazing uh, in this yeah. game. Um, I saw a lot of people comparing him to Jamal Charles. I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Mm. But the Chiefs are willing him to use him in the screen game, which has been an underappreciated uh, right. part of the Chiefs' offense 
well, underused, I should say. I would say people appreciate how the Chiefs uh, used the screen game when Alex Smith was the quarterback, but they just kind of let it disappear with Mahomes. And uh, I know a lot of people have been calling for the Chiefs to bring it back uh, during this season when right Mahomes back. has struggled. And uh, they certainly did. And and this game was reminiscent uh, of a couple of games where Jamal Charles just ate up uh, opposing defenses with the screen, uh, the screen game, uh, particularly that game against the Raiders where he had, you know, like 17 touchdowns for from screen passes or whatever. Yeah, it was. I have a take on, on McKinnon from this game. And here we go in minute number nine, the marinated takeaway. But <laughs> McKinnon looked like he had the game that we talk about Clyde having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's this dual threat. He's hitting the holes hard. They're mm -hmm. dishing it to him and he's making something happen. This is everything that we've talked about Clyde since draft night. And we've mm -hmm. only gotten like one or two games in that fashion out of him. And I think in the playoffs, you know, what it comes down to is even if, if Clyde, you know, gets a little bit healthier here and even if Daryl is good to go, it's hard to argue that your best option isn't to keep McKinnon going and he's fresh. He, he looks to be the best running back on the team. And until he struggles, I think he's got to have the ball in his hands. Uh, I asked Andy Reid about this and we don't even need to play it because it was such a non-answer, but um, <laughs> kind of just said it's a good problem to have. Right. And we'll see in which direction they go. I, I, I don't know how you could watch that game and and not have McKinnon just start, uh, I, even if even if Williams and Clyde are back. But remains to be seen what happens by the time Sunday night rolls around. And we'll of course have our first injury report for this game on Wednesday afternoon. Two other injuries to watch. I don't think it's as serious with Chris Jones. Seems like a helmet hit him in the eye or something. I don't really even anticipate him to be on the injury report, but it's worth noting that he ended up leaving the game per Andy Reid after it. And then a bigger one, and I, I consider this the biggest one if you really look at McKinnon's performance filling in for the running backs, Rashad Fenton, because he was filled in for by Mike Hughes. And if there might have been one or two weak parts of this Chiefs-Steelers game, it was Hughes mm -hmm. getting beaten by these Steelers receivers, including Deontay Johnson, I remember, in one occurrence. And so Fenton, one of the better cornerbacks grade-wise in the league by PFF, his back locked up on him was a late scratch in this game typically it, the this seems to be an injury that they can work out you know sometime during the week with different massage stuff i mean i'm not an expert here but again we'll, we'll monitor the injury report but it seemed like a a freak type thing where he might have woke mm -hmm. up with a bad back or something and and you hope to get fenton back that to me is the biggest one to watch out of out of these four because i don't think jones is all that serious and you feel all right about mckinnon even if the running backs can't go yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, and I, I found it kind of surprising that um, the Chiefs even tried to put Daryl Williams out there very much. Um, yeah, just I mean, hold him back. you think just hold him back, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had like you know fifteen percent of the snaps or something, but um, but was really only visible in that one play where he fumbled the ball uh, that gave up the first touchdown of the game. So. Um, sometimes I wonder what's the point of that, you know, Reed talked about it as if, right. uh, he wasn't really able to play. He tried to, you know, get out there and use his toe. He characterized it as if it was something that had happened before the game, but in fact, they put him out there and then decided that, you know, he couldn't do it. So I thought that was a little strange. And, um, I was surprised that we didn't see more of Derek Gore in this game. Uh, you know, they went to the trouble of, uh, elevating Darwin Thompson from the practice squad. They had plenty of bodies to put out there. I'm just not really sure why they, they bothered with Daryl Williams, but you know, you never know what they're thinking, uh, over there in the, in the coaching staff. I guess it's worth noting here too, that Darius Fountain was active and Josh Gordon mm -hmm. was a healthy scratch. The chiefs kind of given up on the, the Josh Gordon experiment and, I, I I know sometimes we criticize the coaching staff for being slow to make decisions during the season. And, and to me, that's during the regular season. And and I think when you see that Fountain for Gordon move, even though Fountain, we're going to get the snap counts here, but he played three snaps, three or four snaps, even mm. though he didn't really play all that much. I think it, it's worth saying that even now, the coaching staff understands what part of the season it is. So... 
Josh Gordon had a lot of opportunity and mm-hmm. was not getting it done. I mean, yeah, it was limited targets, but he dropped a lot of balls. I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I, if you watch all these games intently, you can tell. I mean, he's dropping balls that he should catch. I, I subscribe to the idea that if a, a ball hits a receiver in the hands, they should they should make that catch. And I think Gordon had too many opportunities and too many drops, and and the Chiefs went in a different direction. And didn't really mean a, a ton of opportunity for Fountain, but you bring him up, and he can actually play special teams, whereas Gordon doesn't. And so that, to me, is the biggest difference. It's just value. You get added value by having mm-hmm. Fountain yeah. up there, and then you see other contributors – like a D Rob who made some big catches and like Byron Pringle who had two touchdowns in this game, one from Travis Kelsey, of course, which was pretty cool. Um, and the whole Donis Kelsey thing that, that, that went into Sunday starting in Tampa with Jason and then making it to Kansas city by the fourth quarter. So cool to see Travis Kelsey throw a touchdown two to Byron Pringle. And with the, the chiefs win, I don't anticipate Gordon being active again for the Kansas city chiefs, maybe ever again. I think this is kind of was an experiment. It was one of those things similar to a bell, similar to a LaShawn McCoy that, you, you know, you threw a dart here and sometimes the dart, it misses the board entirely. It's <laughs> the, the wood or something. And, the, and yeah. you know, it's the door. Your wife's upset uh, because you now you're wrecking the house. And <laughs> that, that's that. Well, you know, I think we at this point have to, to pull back our takes from earlier in the season that Josh Gordon would be the guy who would be a big postseason uh, contributor for the team, that they were going to use him, get him ready to go, and in the postseason he was going to fly. Well, didn't work out that way. Uh, I think we can no. we can say that pretty clearly now, that, uh, that I, think, I think you're right. I think Gordon is done. Um, I expected Fountain to get more work in the game uh, on offense, but uh, you make an excellent point about special teams. And – to Gordon's point, I don't know if his career is necessarily over, but he seems like a guy that needs to be the one or the two so we can get in mm-hmm. a rhythm. I don't think this yeah, maybe. handful of opportunities is necessarily for him. I just, or, you know, that number three role, it just didn't seem like it was ever clicking when he was getting between 12 and 20 snaps. Uh, he's, he might be a guy that just needs to, to, you know, be in that 80 to hundred range. And he's also older. I mean, a lot of his right. career was eaten up by suspensions. And so, you don't know what's going to end up happening with, with Gordon, but I, I don't expect him to be active anytime soon for Kansas City. Uh, some other news. Ryan Poles, personnel member for the Chiefs, he has three GM interview requests. I know he interviewed with the Giants and is considered a finalist. The Vikings earlier in January put in a request for him. Now the Chicago Bears are interviewing him. Uh, it seems like he's a hot candidate uh, to to potentially get one of these gigs. Uh, I know the... The, if the Giants have made him a finalist, um, probably probably has a good shot to get that one. Again, Ryan Pulse is Brett Beach's right hand man when it comes to the draft stuff. And you know, at a certain point, you, you, you expect that you start to lose some people here. Eric Bieniemy, so far as far as I know, has only been tied to the Denver Broncos. It's just crazy that the Chiefs are on the verge, potentially knock on wood, of making their third straight Super Bowl, and they've really not lost a lot of staff members, John. Mm-hmm. Hardly any. Uh, certainly in the grand scheme of things. Normally, a team that's been successful would have had a lot of coaching turnover. Guys, you know, becoming head coach, you know, coordinators becoming head coaches at other teams and so on. This is very odd to me. Right. That, um, uh, I guess the perception is that it's all Andy Reid. Um, yeah, it'd be one way to explain it, but maybe there's something else at work here. Well, it what's interesting, like I think Dave Tobe had some opportunities, and and mm-hmm. he did interview for a little bit, and has in a couple of years, and I think the window's kind of shut on him. Eric Bieniemy's interviewed with you know twenty some odd teams, and we'll see. I think this might be his best chance because he does have a friendship and a connection to George Patton from his Minnesota days. And it is a small fraternity. This is somebody that, you know, I I think that really respects Eric B enemy and they got Mm -hmm. a good young running back in Javante Williams. And they're also going to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. We know that's why they locked up their receivers. And if you're Denver and you're, trying to beat Kansas city after losing all these times in a row, who's going to have a, a better leg up than Andy Reid's protege when it comes to potentially having the offense to roll with Kansas city. So 
We'll see. Not ideal for Chiefs fans. I think we know that with the enemy. You'd rather him go to somewhere in the NFC. We've said that before. Uh, but at, at this stage, I think, you know, you got to respect the man. At a certain point, the guy has Colorado ties. He knows the GM. This could be the best case scenario for him. And he needs to get a job now because I don't know if he's getting any interviews if if he fails in, in this round uh, in, in future years. So hoping the best for Eric Bien-Me. By the way, I wanted to mention Ryan Poles' official title because I didn't have it in front of me at the time, but it's ex- the executive director of player personnel for the Kansas City Chiefs. So. Uh, someone the Chiefs really respects, someone they promoted. He's been through multiple regimes. We talked about that on last podcast, and we'll see if he ends up with the Giants or the Bears or the Vikings, John. Uh, you know, we uh, every year we say this this is going to be the year for Biennemi. Yeah. And up to now, it hasn't been. This is like year four, right? Right. And, um, uh, but I really, I'm starting to think that this Vikings thing might be the way that he gets his Could head be, coaching yeah. job. I mean, yeah, he's got the relationship in Denver uh, and the previous residency in Colorado, but he has worked for the Vikings before and there's respect for him within the organization. And that can count for a lot. It's not just necessarily the relationship with the with the head guy, although obviously that counts for a lot. But I think that there's some institutional memory for Eric Bieniemy in the Vikings organization which would tend to counteract uh, what is perceived to be the enemy's inability to interview well. This is what people say is that, that, oh, well, he just doesn't interview well. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what people say. And But if that's the case, if that's true, then a strong institutional memory for the guy in an organization could counteract that very easily. So, and, and it would work. You know, uh, as you've noted uh, in previously, it, it's a situation that would work for him personally. I think he'd want to be the head coach of the Vikings as things stand right now. So um, I think the problem with Minnesota, and this is my only thing, is they don't have a GM. So they're finding a GM first. Yeah. And and, you know, I, I'd imagine the GM is going to have a, a stronghold of 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 who becomes the, the head coach and. Right now, they're doing Austin Fort, who is the Titans, Spidek, Bucks, um, Adolfo Mensa, Browns, uh, Catherine Raish from the Eagles. They are doing polls from the Chiefs, Brown from the yeah. Eagles, Cook from the Browns, Wolf from the Patriots. And so I, I don't have the enemy's connections to these guys in, in front of me. And that's why I, I, I don't know. That's that I like the Vikings. I, I think they're a possibility. Mm-hmm. It is worth saying that the enemy is the favorite right now, but who knows? I mean, I, I think it really is going to depend on if the general manager knows him and trusts him, and then there's going to be an interview process there. So I don't know. I'm hoping the enemy gets a job somewhere, and I know that Chiefs fans would rather it be Minnesota than Denver. Right, right, absolutely. All right, J.D., your ch- time to shine here. You're, the, the snap counts, you've been going through them from Chiefs and Steelers. What stood out? Well, once again, uh, it was a case where there wasn't a lot that stood out. But one thing that that uh, was interesting to me, you don't see too many postseason games where starters sit down. No. <laughs> at the end of the game. Nope. I mean, that's, you know, it's one thing at the end of the regular season and, you know, the postseason's pretty much decided for starters to sit down. But in a postseason game where if things go wrong, you could go home, you just don't see... Uh, starting players sit down very often. And that did happen in the Chiefs game. It wasn't obvious because it only happened after Travis Kelsey's touchdown pass to Byron Pringle that made the score uh, 42-21. And at that point, uh, with just, what was it, four or five minutes left in the game, the Chiefs felt like, yeah, we can sit down some players on defense. And so they did. And uh, so, you know, Armani Watts got some snaps uh, as a safety. DeAndre Baker got in the game at cornerback. Uh, Even Zane Anderson uh, got some defensive snaps, uh, a few of them there in that final final 13-play drive. And, you know, uh, players on the defensive line, the the main players on the line, got to sit down for some time there, and, and the reserves got some more snaps. That was... One of the more interesting things, I already mentioned um, that uh, Daryl Williams actually got more snaps than we probably realized um, in the game. 
before they finally decided that uh, he wasn't playing. How many was it, John? It you was uh, it was like twelve percent, I think, or something. Okay. Let me let me change they, apps they, here so I can see. Uh, it was yeah, twelve per, yeah, twelve percent of the offensive snaps, eight snaps all together. Um, yeah, I, I just wouldn't. You know, it seemed to me like the first time we saw him was when he coughed off the ball, but apparently he was out there uh, on top of that. So you know, sometimes these numbers can surprise you uh, a little bit. Um, and who knows how much that Daryl felt like he wanted to play in this game. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that could have a lot sure. to do with it where, you know, sure. he knows his opportunities are limited. And this isn't, this is one where everybody is watching the game. He might've just tried to give it a go. And, and, yeah. you know, and, and he clearly wants to be a starter in the NFL. It doesn't always have to be with the team you're with. And maybe he just tried and, and, and couldn't. I know another thing that will, uh, that will upset a lot of people. Uh, is that Willie Gay Jr. was on the field for just 26% of the offensive snaps in this game. Now, part of that is the scheme, uh, the, the schemes the Chiefs were running, the, the, the alignments that they were running in this game de-emphasized the linebackers a little bit compared to mm. other games. Um, so part of that, I think that's where most of it is, um, is that Gay uh, was – was had the biggest impact as a result of that schematic decision the Chiefs made in this game, but it's going to upset people because they see Gay as a as a playmaker. But I think what we're really going to see is that next year Gay is going to get all those snaps. I know people are worried about it right now or upset about it, however you want to put it, but I think the Chiefs have complete confidence in the guy. It's just the way that they've called some of these games have not has not fallen in Gay's favor. That's that's my view of it at this point. Uh, Anthony Hitchens did sit down in the final drive, um, and so my uh, there are Bolton there are got some, some there's some looks got some more snaves. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, your, your guy is going to be so upset. There are some looks where uh, I see Neiman out there as the only linebacker, and I'm like, this cannot this cannot be it. I, I, and that's sometimes where I'm like, why is Gay not out? Yeah, here? I mean, well, no, he, and I understand why people feel that way. Yeah. But then you have to look at what happened in this game. I mean, I understand that people see players like Neiman and Sorensen as less than ideal players. And in their view, these guys should never be on the field. Okay. Well, both of them had some snaps. Um, Neiman's numbers, I think, were actually down. He was on the field during that last drive. So I think he was actually, even though he was about even, Overall, I think he actually was used less in the rest of the game than normal. Sorensen's right. counts were a little bit up compared to last week, but they were, but they were kind of low last week. You know, he was mm -hmm. instead of being at the bottom of his range, he was at the top of his range this week. But here's the thing about this: you know, you can complain about these players being on the field, but the defense was astonishing on Sunday. I mean, let's be realistic about this. The defense just shut down the Steelers until later in the game when, you know, the, the Chiefs could afford to, you know, let them gain some yardage to chew up time on the clock, the, the classic prevent defense arrangement. Um, and I, you know, I get it why people feel that these players individually shouldn't be on the field. But what the Chiefs did on Sunday worked. Now, it might not work as well against another D another offense, of course. And yes, as long as Sorensen is on the field, if he finds himself uh, in a situation where he's on the field and has to, uh, to, to roll back deep, you know, he could give up a big play. That's just the way it is. But yeah, it's yeah. working. That's no, the thing. I know. I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes they'll still run Sorensen as the, the deep safety, and it and it's just like, why are we continuing to ram our head into this wall? <laughs> Sometimes how I feel and like, I know what you're saying about Neiman and a gay and I understand it, it works. Um, the Steelers are one of the teams that the chiefs were good against defensively mm -hmm. in the regular sure. season. And there weren't yeah. many of them, you know? And so yeah. you wonder how much of that is opponent versus sure. The chiefs might have fair. Been. Yeah. And then like to me, you know, I just, you just look at, I hate to be that guy that's like, I test guy, but it's like Neiman and gay. I mean, it just is so clear who's better. And so that mm -hmm. that to me sometimes is just tough to watch on the other side of it. But again, you're right. Hey, look, they got the win and it should have been even worse than 42 to 21.
mm-hmm. when you're in that type of situation, you go into softer coverages, which is why you saw some garbage touchdowns to there at the end. And, and they were able to actually make it look like a decent game. Not, mm-hmm. not as bad as it was, but this was an absolute domination by the Kansas city chiefs. All right. The schedule for the weekend, if we want to go through it Saturday, it's the Bengals and the Titans at 3.30 p.m. This game matters to the Chiefs if they are to win. If Tennessee wins, they'll travel for the AFC title game if they are able to beat the Bills. If Cincinnati wins, then if the Chiefs are able to beat the Bills, they will host the Bengals for the AFC title next week. On Saturday night, it's the 49ers and the Packers at 7.15 p.m. Sunday, 2 p.m. Before the Chiefs, Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then at 5.30 p.m., it is the Bills and the Chiefs wrapping up the weekend, which was to be expected. I just think that's the marquee game on Sunday evening uh, and and <laughs> impressive in the sense that these are all pretty good teams. I, I looked at these teams today, and John, once again, the Bengals, the Titans, the 49ers, the Packers, the Rams and the Bucks, the Bills and the Chiefs. And to me... A lot of times when you get to this round, there is one or two teams that have just found a way to play well and and are just, you know, in this kind of hot streak and you're wondering mm-hmm. how they did yeah. it. This time around, it it really feels like the eight best teams to me. I I, mm-hmm. I don't, you know what I mean? That I really deserve to be there. Bengals definitely deserve to be there. If the way they played this year, the Titans are the number one seed, even without losing Derrick Henry, they should get him back. The Niners are a better team than the Cowboys. Packers, of course. The Bucks, of course. The L.A. Rams put on a clinic on Monday night. And then you have what I think are the two best teams in the AFC and the Bills and the Chiefs. And so you have the eight teams that really deserve to be there this time around. Well, and I think that's part of why people are complaining about the seventh seed in the yeah. postseason no, is yeah. because, uh, you know, the division winners uh, were the, the, the whole league was pretty close. We had, right. you know, so many teams above 500 this year with the, with the 17 games schedule. And so it kind of figured that uh, this was what was, we were going to see in the wild card round is that there would be, you know, a pretty clear delineation between the division winners and the wild card teams. And I think this is going to happen with wild card teams. Sometimes I just, you know, I've been thinking about it. I've, 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 you know, been looking at people complaining about the the playoffs format with just the single bye week, and I can't say that I like it very much. I think it's, I think it's too big an advantage to give to just one team. I think that's what bugs me about it, because the home. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about, oh yeah, well it's actually better to have the second seed. No, it's not. It's not mm-hmm. better. Okay, it's statistically harder to win an extra game in an elimination tournament. That's just, that's just a fact. Okay. And, um, so it's a pretty big advantage that you're giving to just one team in the postseason, And I, I, I can't say I like it. The problem of course, is that in order to have more than one team, get the buy, you have to either have it be a six team format again, like it was for so long, Or the alternative is to add one more team to the playoffs where half the NFL gets into the playoffs. And I I know that that would not be a popular take, but I wonder if that's the way it makes the most sense. Consider this. We call it the Oprah Winfrey playoff format. You get a bye week. You get a bye week. You get a bye week. Like all the division winners get bye weeks. And then... The first yeah. week of the season, uh, you put those wild card teams against each other. The first week of the postseason. I haven't done the math on this. Would that actually work? No, maybe it wouldn't. No, it, 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 it well, no, no, it would. You'd eliminate. Uh, you'd lose half of those teams, and well, no, it still wouldn't work, would it? Pro- yeah. See, I don't know what the answer. The is. problem is you can't do that. <laughs> the yeah. problem is you can't do what you're what you're describing with the eight teams in each 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 side, and. The other problem is you're right when it comes to giving one team too much advantage. But here, there's a third problem here, and and this is the reality: is like the NFL is not going back. They can't go forward with the right, 18, right. as John said. Right. They're not going to go back by eliminating two money making games. They added a damn right. week that they didn't need mm-hmm. because of the the money, and so this is just reality now. I think in in a sense too, if you're trying to look for a counter argument makes the regular season a lot more important. If the Chiefs sure didn't get does. blown away by the Tennessee Titans, twenty seven three. They are the first seed, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. think about like the way the college football 
used to be the college football playoff. That's another um, tournament that's getting some criticism because those semifinal games in college football have been horrible as well. Similar to these two seven games that we saw this past weekend, you know, there will be a certain point when the seven seed beats the two seed. And I think it's just a new reality. We have to accept. It's a lot like the 16 versus the one or the 15 versus the two in March madness where, Right. Yeah, it'll be really few and far between. But hey, it, it's possible. And the, the day that the seven team knocks off the two seed, it's going to be a, a damn big story for the NFL. And I, I, I think it, it, again, it, it won't happen a lot, as you saw with the Chiefs just killing the Steelers and the Bucks killing the Eagles. But yeah, eventually. I think I think you'll get you'll get one right, and that'll right, be really interesting. Right. Well, really and in the meantime, the the fans of these other teams you know they get to have a little bit of hope going into the postseason and i think that's a good thing you know i think that for a for a midland team to you know get one extra game to play and for their fans to say yeah we made the playoffs or we're taking a step forward i think that's a good thing too but i sure don't i i sure understand why people you know see it as a dilution of the playoff format but uh, like you say, I mean, I, I thought I had a good idea there, but I guess it doesn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got to hash them out live on the right. air. Right. On That's the right. Show, That's right. right. <laughs> All right. So that is the news. You got your your divisional round schedule. When we come back, we'll go through Andy Reid from his Monday afternoon press conference. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we'll get to our world-famous marinated takeaways and the best Chiefs thing we heard all week in just a segment here. But first, we'll go through Andy Reid. And Andy Reid did lean into some trick plays this past weekend, John. Some worked, such as the offensive lineman touchdown, the tight end throwing to Byron Pringle touchdown. Some didn't like McCole Hardman handing it off to Daryl Williams. Yes, that's real. And fumbling and TJ Watt scoring the first touchdown of the game. This actually was a comeback win for the Chiefs, technically speaking. Hard to believe <laughs> when you really think about it. But here was Andy Reid on those trick and gadget plays. I guess it's twofold. I, yeah, other teams have to prep for it, but we, we do these on an individual basis for that team. So in a lot of cases, uh, the pass at Kelser was individual for that group. <clears throat> so we try to find whatever matchups or what we think um, we can take advantage of, I guess, uh, lack of better terms, but uh, and, and work on, you know, and try to put a play in for that. So we trust our guys to to do it, though. They get a number of reps on it. EB does a good job with all that. So. I think that's worth hearing, John, because I I do think we get on them. You just wrote an article about this this morning. You could check out at arrowheadpride.com. You do we, we do get on him when they don't work, but I, I think it is refreshing to hear that confirmation that they are indeed designed to take away some weaknesses or take advantage of some weaknesses of the opposing team. Yeah, I think this is an underappreciated point. I was glad that that Andy addressed that yesterday, that it's not just you know, I'm just throwing this out here because I like it. It's that we've actually taken steps Scouted. to find uh, yeah. a situation where this play could actually work to our benefit. And uh, uh, I, I think people get frustrated when they don't work. People get frustrated when any play doesn't work. And the first thing they want to blame, blame is the play call when and more often than not, it's just execution. I mean, in the case of the the one tricky play that didn't work on Sunday, that's plainly execution, you know, that they they botched the handoff and mm. and uh, Williams just couldn't get a handle on it. That's clearly execution had nothing to do with the play call. Now, we can argue whether it was a good play call in that situation, of course. But, you know, without seeing how it works when it's executed properly, it's really hard to tell. <laughs> how you can evaluate it there well so, that one yeah. was i think exaggerated too in the fact that it wasn't just something that didn't work it was something that led to a steelers touchdown sure oh punted yeah. three times in a row yeah so yeah. i think that it, it was exasperated a little bit you feel a little yeah. bit more comfortable with some of these trick plays when you have the game in hand and in control sure. and and you're winning but yeah i i think when they work they they work to 
to a perfection in the sense of you're taking advantage. So, you know, I, I, I went back to that McKinnon touchdown where they took advantage of Watt and, and how relentless he is. And then you just mm-hmm. slid McKinnon and right by him inside. I mean, I, I think th- that's another example. It's not really as tricky as these other plays, but that to me is, right. is one for Andy Reid as well. Speaking of Travis Kelsey and everything he does on offense, he had 108 yards and a touchdown, a passing touchdown in this game. And here was Reed on what makes Kelsey so unique. Yeah, well, he, he has that ability to play in tight, uh, block people, and at the same time, and, and release from there, and also move them out a little bit further, whether it's just an intermediate split or a wide split. You feel comfortable doing any of those. And uh, then he has a great sense for space and how to work in space, get himself open. And again, it helps that the quarterback likes him. So that they they work well together on that, trust each other. You know, the Chiefs got to get scouting here because this is part of the franchise. Now you got to have an elite dominant tight end. And my man is 32, and I, I understand he's still going, but it's not going to be forever. Just what he's able to do, as you heard there, of just being able to just play in the, the tight coverage release. He can block if, if need be, and he can work himself into space. And then when he catches, he's just like the yak master. The Chiefs are going to miss this guy whenever th- that does happen. Hopefully it's not for another three or four years, and they are able to find an ample replacement for him. I know people don't want to hear this. I, I think people want to think that Noah Gray is a bust. I don't know why this is, but he's actually been pretty encouraging. Um, he's shown skill as a blocker. They have used him extensively in special teams. Um, and he hasn't, you know, it's not like he's been an embarrassment on offense. You know, it's not like he, you know, has had a poor catch percentage or any of those things. I think there's a chance that the Chiefs see in him as somebody who could be, in a year or two, a successor to Kelsey. Um, whether or not that's true, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm, I'm certainly not willing to what we know about Gray right with what we know about Gray right now to just stand up and say, "Oh, he's going to be the guy." We just don't know enough yet. But we don't have any. It's not like it. it he's shown himself to be bad. Well, and given yeah. some development, he might be the guy. The thing about gray that is interesting is we know how much the personnel staff likes him right he he was getting a lot of buzz out of the draft Mm -hmm. getting compared to kelsey and what he can do he was famous for not dropping the football at duke university and really dynamic with the ball in his hands and you're right I i don't think he's had necessarily the opportunity that he would have if Kelsey was again retiring or, you know, at, at the end here. And then maybe you're starting to, you, you see like an intermix like they're doing in LA with a Jared cook and a Donald Parham, uh, for example, as like, you're starting to see more increased snaps of, of Parham. And I think eventually maybe you, you do at some point, maybe not next year, maybe it's the year after, maybe it's the year after that. Well, mm-hmm. you do maybe start to see more of, of gray and getting that opportunity. And then, I of think, course, Fortson is a wild card in this in this equation as well. Yeah, so, so long as he can recover, I right, mean, that, right? That's another another guy. Um, but the the off season, it's big for Fortson, who you mentioned, but it's it's big for Gray. I think in in getting even bigger, bulkier, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit faster potentially yep. with the Chiefs training staff. He's now working with a pro training staff for a full off season. I think if he commits himself to the to an off season strength program and gets again, a little bit more of a, a bigger target and can really take advantage of some of those natural abilities that he has. I, I think it'll, it'll benefit him there. And I also think just another offseason in the program. I mean, think about how Willie Gay and Clyde were just saying just how big actually having mm-hmm. an offseason was. Right. The offseason is huge uh, for, for these types of players, especially offseason number two, where it's not new to you. You're not having to adjust mm-hmm. uh, like a pro game. This Now you're just trying to like hone in and, to- and, and kind of tone in a sense, the things that you already know. So yeah, I, I, I think next year is a, a big year for gray because Andy Reed, he loves using these two tight end sets. And to mm-hmm. me, yep. it's been more of a, a belt, you know, kind of as that guy. And I, I think, I think next year might offer the opportunity for, for gray to have a chance there. And who knows me, you know, I, I don't think you're, you, I think you're right. I don't think you're, able to write off gray as a possibility right. there right at least yet at least until we have more information all right uh, andy reed continued with his press conference and he came back to those buffalo bills 
And the Bills, you know, if you remember in week five, they they beat up the Chiefs pretty good. 38 to 28 at Hurt Stadium. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, well, they, listen, they got after us. And so um, we know it's a great challenge. Um, and they're a great team. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go through the process of getting ourselves ready uh, to play. And that's, uh, we'll take it day by day and uh, try to, as coaches, we'll try to give the players good stuff to work with. And I know the players uh, and their attitude, the way they, they, they love that part of it. And uh, they'll work hard to, uh, to better themselves so we can have a, have a good game. So, yeah, this was, was, was basic coach speak, but I think it's a good reminder that, <laughs> that Andy Reid said, look, they got after us. And you know that Reed and, and I think his staff will be reminding them this week, like, we got to come out of the gate in, mm-hmm. in this game. It's not going to be a thing where where we're going to have time here. And look, we played them this year, and they beat us by 18 points, right? So, like, get angry about that a little bit. Well, the good news, of course, is that the Chiefs were a bit understaffed at that time. You know, that was while Daniel Sorensen was still starting as a safety and getting all the snaps in the game. That was a a factor. Chris Jones didn't play in that game. Um, And yes, the chiefs are going to have to come out firing on all cylinders. And uh, I know that in the first quarter, there were people ready to write the chiefs off because they didn't come out Mm -hmm. and score a bunch of points against the Steelers. But if you can go out there and hold the other team from scoring while you're getting the offense figured out, it works out the same way. The Chiefs ended up, you know, getting a big blowout win anyway, despite the fact they didn't score anything in the first quarter. So, yes, we'd sure like to see the Chiefs offense come out there and and just, you know, put up a bunch of points at the beginning of the game. But as always, complimentary football is a thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, if the if the defense can stand up and, and hold the Buffalo offense back a little bit while the Chiefs figure it out, if that's necessary, that's the same thing. What worries me a little bit in this game is Josh Allen and and maybe less about his throwing ability and more that he's dual. The Chiefs, they quietly struggled against those type of quarterbacks this year Mm -hmm. where they were actually pretty good at defending the runners. It was these types of quarterbacks that can kind of do both. Mm-hmm. And Josh Allen is, is is the best at that right now, right? right? I mean, you saw Kyler Murray and him struggle last night. Allen, to me, is, is, is the best at, at at running the ball and knowing when to run the ball and when not to run the ball, when to stay home, and really having some sharp decision making. Now, the Bills have been high variance, so you don't know necessarily right. always what what Bills team you're going to get. If they played like they did last week, the Chiefs are in for quite a challenge. If they play like they showed up in Jacksonville, hey, the Chiefs are probably going to roll over them. So really depends on which Bills team you get. I tend to think Allen's in a, in a groove right now, but you know, you, you bring him into Arrowhead Stadium, I'm sure the Bills fans will travel decently and it, and it should be a fun, fun environment, but you got to see at the beginning of the game how he looks, and I think setting that tone early both offensively and I think especially defensively, like you mentioned mm-hmm. with Chris Jones, you know, set the set the tone and, and set the message that you're you're not going to allow Allen to to gash you on the ground and and you're aware that that he can he and he can run and and I think crashing you know in on him and making him uncomfortable as early as possible is going to be such a key with the Bills coming to Arrowhead Stadium. Well, after watching that game over the weekend, I I have to agree that that's the thing that's most scary about Allen. Now he was he was on it in the passing game. I mean he he made some incredible throws in that game over the weekend. But the thing that where he's really scary uh, is as a runner. And this is why Lamar Jackson has been successful and why Russell Wilson has been successful is they can add that other dimension mm-hmm. to the offense. And Josh Allen does that very well. I mean, I mean, he's big. Yeah, he's, big he, he's as big as he's a, big as a fullback, quick. you know, it's <laughs> actually, I mean, Big Ben used to do this a little bit, and Rodgers mm-hmm. used to do it a little bit. They do it less now. Well, Big Ben is done, and, and Rodgers does it a little bit less now. Um, where they were, where they were younger, and they could they could recover faster from from getting hit and and, mm-hmm. and such. But he he's got that old school feel, almost like a almost looks like Cam Newton, I think, in a mm-hmm. sense, right now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're talking about prime Cam Newton, not right. Not, <laughs> not whatever the Panthers <laughs> rolled out this year. I feel bad. I wish I wish he would have been better. But yeah, no, I I I think the Chiefs are going to need to spy uh, uh, quite a bit mm-hmm. there while yeah. being worried about some really talented receivers. All right. Um, 
Reed's final quote, and this is a fun one, uh, asked by my, my, <laughs> my friend Vahe Gregorian of the Kansas City Star. Uh, how does winning a Super Bowl uh, change him? And here's, here's Andy Reid. Yeah, well, if you like chocolate cake um, and you eat a piece uh, and then you have one dangled in front of your face, you're probably going to want to eat that too. Not much is going to stop you. So, I mean, that's how, that's how you feel about the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is the chocolate cake with the ultimate frosting. And then uh, you, you need to, you're going to try to go get it if you can. You know, that's the best you can. Yep, that chocolate cake is the ultimate frosting, and you you just want more of it, John. Oh, Vahe. Vahe, I love you, man. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent um, serving him up here, uh, pun intended. He is never shying away from, from, from food references. We got into a comment uh, or two about it on Twitter yesterday where he, he really leans into the sweet and sour chicken of it all to the candy bar <laughs> you find it's in the freezer to you know we even got a duck confit uh reference even even leftovers you know leftovers. how good the chiefs are about getting guys from mm-hmm. other teams who haven't played out as that, that's a leftover right that's 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 another good one and maybe maybe after andy listens to the arrowhead pride podcast to lean into that one this week uh, but yeah Look, uh, always lovable head coach. And I think sometimes, and you hear this from talking to people with the team more so than you'll, you'll ever see at a press conference. He's a fun guy and he's one yeah. of the funnier coaches. I, you, I've actually heard that about Bill Belichick, believe it or not, where they're just different people when you're at the podium. You could kind of hear this type of Andy Reid when he does interviews with like a cowherd who has been interviewing him since he was a coach in the early two thousands or like a Steve Mariucci who he's friends with from coaching in with the green Bay Packers, uh, that side of Andy Reid, And, and it's nice when, uh, slowly, but surely it emerges in a press conference like this. Vahe is another one technically because he covered him at during his Missouri. Sure, right. Yeah. And there's a, a relationship tie in there, but, uh, always good to, to hear Andy Reid comparing Super Bowls to food. And I know there's a lot of chiefs fans that hope the, the team has some more chocolate cake in a few weeks here. We'll see. You, you know, touching on something you just said that, you know, when they get before the podium, they're a different person. And this is, to me, one of the coolest things about covering the team in the stadium. Uh, right. You know, yes, everybody thinks it's cool to be in the locker room. Oh, and it is. It is. But to me, the best part of that experience was being on the elevator with the head coach. <laughs> I always enjoyed that. I would always be, I would, my ears would perk up when I happened to get on the elevator and Dick Vermeil was on there or, you know, because, because you could have a real conversation with the man for a very short right. period of time, but nobody's listening. You don't have your microphone out. You're not recording yeah. it. You're just having a one-on-one with a guy. And we don't get that now. No, pulling um, the curtain back a little bit. It, that's been hurting us a little bit during COVID mm-hmm. is we yeah. I can't have a conversation with any player without the mic on <clears throat> right mm-hmm. now and used to be able to you know put the recorder away and just talk to people and eventually when the mic was turned on again you would get better quotes out of that and and it's been tough so right. I know it's something that right. the NFL wants to do and again this is a little bit inside football but um, we're hoping that we even after COVID are, are able to get back in the locker room that remains to be seen all right when we come back we will give our world famous marinated takeaways And we'll go through the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, we are long-winded today, John. I, I got to. I'm pulling the curtain back further. Not inside football, inside my life. I got to get to the iPhone store because my <laughs> iPhone is broken, and I, I I do not know what is going on, and I, no one can call me right now. So, uh, let's let's get to, to to some marinated takeaways here, John. Your first takeaway from the Steelers and the Chiefs. Yeah, we've touched on on all of this stuff up to now, but uh, one of the things that really struck me about this game, and, is, and I touched on it in the piece that I wrote this morning on arrowheadpride.com, I'm amazed that opposing defenses haven't figured out a way to stop that little shovel pass, underhanded pass, whatever you call it, that the Chiefs mm-hmm. run at the goal line. They've run it over and over and over and over again. They've run it uh, in out of different formations. They've done it with 
different players. And of course, it's part of the reason why it continues to be successful is that there's not any specific pattern that defenses can catch. But it amazes me how it almost always catches the defense flat-footed. I can only think of maybe one time they've run this play out of, I don't know, six or eight iterations maybe where the defense didn't, where where they didn't score a touchdown it, with it. it it's rarely, amazing. <laughs> it rarely gets completely blown up. They're, they have yeah. had some times mm-hmm. where maybe they're four yards out and they end up one yard to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And who knows what they do from there. But you're right. I mean, there's always a gain involved. And yeah, yeah it, it it it's a credit to Andy Reid for, for, I think, using it in a timely fashion, not always going to it. Mm-hmm. And who knows how many times where maybe they're showing that look and the defense clicks in their head, and then the Chiefs just do something else, like a, a more normal type of mm-hmm. type of play out of that. So, again, kudos to the ultimate offensive mind in Andy Reid. My first marinated takeaway is, and, and we talked about that 10-minute and 30-second stretch of Patrick Mahomes. Oh, man. Mahomes in this game had an in-case-you-forgot moment, <laughs> and it was 10 minutes and 30 seconds because he he, I think, a little bit this year, fell back i know that greg rosenthal who i love to read and someone that i think is great and really digs into the film he has a quarterback index that he took over for the late chris wessling and i believe mahomes was number five to me and and again i think rosenthal does a tremendous job that that that's a little insulting to what patrick mahomes is which to me is still the best player in the league the best quarterback in in the league and i think he reminded folks what he can do when he's really on and to me the signature play of the game wasn't even a throw it was okay the steelers just scored the 23 yard scramble because Mm -hmm. we we mentioned that with Allen earlier in the show where Allen he can he can dink and dunk a little bit he can throw downfield but you can tell he really sees an opportunity when there's some open space. Mahomes used to do that a little bit more as well. Never as much as, as Allen likes to do it, but one of Mahomes most famous plays has nothing to do with throwing the football. It was that mm-hmm. touchdown against the Tennessee Titans where yep. it was, I'm refusing to lose today. We are not yeah. losing this, this mm-hmm. game. And I think that you saw it when things were a little weird still at the beginning of this game against the Steelers, Mahomes, runs for 23 yards, and he essentially says, you forgot about me. You forgot how damn good I am. And then all of a sudden, five passing touchdowns, six straight touchdown drives, and this thing was over. If teams get that version of Patrick Mahomes, and again, it was only 10 minutes and 30 seconds, so we'd like to see it for 60, right? (laughs) Right. we get more of that Mahomes, I don't care if the Buffalo Bills are playing the best football in the history of their franchise. They ain't beating the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium, and I think you needed to see it in the first game, and Patrick Mahomes delivered. I Yeah, I, I really agree, and I and I was very impressed, Pete, by uh, by your mentioning that uh, uh, that scramble in your post-game piece, that that had stuck out to you as one of the turning points of the game. And I think you were exactly right. It hadn't occurred to me at that point. And so I, I want to shout out to you there and say, oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good takeaway from that game. See, Chiefs it, fan from 1977, I'm okay too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think there's something about the Chiefs being pissed off too. Um, you know, that's, that is the worst thing that you can do to the chiefs in the postseason with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback is, is to, is to torque them off because they're going to come out, come back to you and, and eat your dinner. I also thought it was interesting too. uh, one of the things that, uh, Mahomes said after the game, uh, when he was asked about, you know, did you go on the, along the sidelines and fire people up? Like we saw in the 2019 season, he says, no. No, we just kind of did it on our own. We all kind of just talked to each other. And I thought that was a real interesting takeaway from this game that that Mahomes, through his own leadership, has managed to get it to the point that maybe they don't even need him as a leader so much, which is frightening also to the rest of the league. Yeah, no, I I, I just think it was a big moment and, and one that reaffirmed, OK, Mahomes is still Mahomes and this is the NFL yeah. playoffs. So let's see how this Chiefs Bills games go. I. You know what's going to happen this weekend, John. Uh, you're going to see all these heads pick the Bills. I, I just know oh yeah, it. I know yeah. it. I know it. And uh, and and hopefully the Chiefs round up those predictions and, and show them a nice montage heading into this game uh, before Sunday night happens. Uh, next, Marin, takeaway from you. 
Yeah, I, 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 and I was one of them. I was one of the people who thought this was going to be a close game. I believe my prediction was uh, 28-21. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I have to hang my head in shame on that one. I did not see this blowout coming, and in retrospect, I should have. Um, and I, and I, you know, I think this game this weekend is going to be close too. I tend to think that anyway, uh, just on general principles, you know, blowouts aren't really all that common in the NFL. Um, but the chiefs, uh, really put out a statement this weekend against a team they should have beaten, of course. Uh, but they, they really did a fantastic job of, you know, coming back for some adversity, you know, coming from a, a, a coming from behind, as you as you know, technically that was a come from behind game, not a big one, but it was come from behind, and just you know made everything click for a relatively short period of time. Um, and I I think that this weekend is going to be a great game. I I you know that if the Chiefs had won this game the way I thought they would, which is by you know, 28, 21, and most of the Steelers scoring coming in the second half, everybody be picking the bills this weekend. But uh, given that the chiefs managed to turn it into kind of a convincing win on Sunday, I wonder if there, we might be surprised by that a little bit. I, I, I think you make a good point. People are going to want to, people are want to want the bills to win. They want to see the bills succeed. And I get that, you know, I've been a fan of a franchise like that myself and I, I know how they feel about it. But, um, yeah, put the Chiefs in the corner. You're going to do so at your peril, as they demonstrated on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a lot of take. I, I think it's sometimes harder to get marinated takeaways out of a blowout like this. Yeah, it really I is. Think, <laughs> I think the defense was solid, and and I'll just say that. And I, I thought it was a, a group effort, which it was, you know, mm-hmm. a lot, some of these guys would like to say like 111. Really was a one eleven thing. It's not like there was an interception or like a lot of sacks in this game. It was just a group. We're not going to let this team get a first down. Yeah, and it, it was a domination from from that fashion. Seven punts in a row. I don't care if you're the lowly Steelers with Big Ben with half an arm. Right. Still very very impressive. And for their only touchdown in that first half to come on what was sort of a fluky play, I thought mm-hmm. was super, super impressive and nothing to even do with the 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 defense. And I think. You know, just to kind of wrap this up here, just keep it simple, right? So mm-hmm. Byron Pringle had a good game. Let's continue to lead into Byron Pringle. Uh, we'd mentioned Jarek McKinnon. Let's play McKinnon. I even if Clyde is healthy, even even if he's coming back and and Daryl, like McKinnon should be touching the ball first. It does. It, this is not a a oh he's a first rounder. Let's until McKinnon proves otherwise. Let's continue to lead into McKinnon. You have Juan Thornhill making an open field tackle in this game. Let's play your best safety that you know deep safety in this game i i i just think i and i think the chiefs will do it but they're just so much evidence of play your best players i know it sounds so simple but i i think sometimes the staff gets a little bit into like okay let's do this let's do that and then and it's like no this is the nfl playoffs right so this is this is when we should be playing these type i'll just say i'll just say one thing about that and i think this is part of what i was talking about before when people are upset about Sorensen and Neiman getting snaps in over other players. You have to remember that Steve Spagnolo is a huge believer in keeping guys fresh on the defense. Sure. It's a huge thing for him. And as long as that is the case, there are going to be players that aren't as good as other players that are coming in in relief of those players during a game. Now, you know, you can say that that's a bad thing, okay? But that is why those players get on the field is because Spagnolo believes in that so much. Yeah, and you do have to say this too, and it's lighthearted but true. It's divisional round. That's yeah. where Dan shines. He's divisional Dan. Yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> In the divisional round against the Houston Texans, he had that punt sniff out that changed the complexion of the game. Year later, <clears throat> maybe an illegal hit, but it it won the game against the Cleveland Browns, which turned into a one score game with Chad Henney in it, where he stopped the touchdown before the end of the half. The divisional round is Dan's time to shine. Divisional Dan, I, I know that's hard to hear, but I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> let's see if he can do it three times in a row. <laughs> Names to be seen. Be okay, okay with me. Okay, let's do it. The best Chiefs thing we heard all week. 
He said it was better than a buy, and Wilds called it the low point in the history of the show. I'm just curious, and you guys can, you know, respond in the affirmative or the negative. Uh, do you feel better about the Chiefs' chances than you did before the game kicked off? Because I do. So that's almost like if they hadn't played and all we had seen was Buffalo play and the Chiefs didn't play, be like, oh, Chiefs last few weeks, you lose Cincinnati, you lose, to, uh, you, you barely beat Denver. Oh, so wait, so what? what's better than not play? Oh, that's better than a bye. And then I know Wilds watching that game. Oh, my God, TJ Watt gets the strip sack and he I has thought, upsets yeah. dancing in his head like so many sugar plums. <laughs> But little did you guys know, Andy Reid is out here playing five-dimensional chess. Because if we know anything about the Chiefs, even in the playoffs, it's kind of hard to get their attention. It's kind of hard to get them to really lock in. So Andy called a play, wildcat play, with two guys who have never run a wildcat play all season. You know why? Needed that fumble, needed that scoop and score. And how did the Chiefs respond <laughs> with literally the fastest five touchdown passes in the history, not of the NFL playoffs, not of the Chiefs franchise, in the history of professional football? So there you go. Nick Wright, first things first, Fox Sports, former 610 Sports Radio host in Kansas City. You know him well, Kansas City native, really leaning into the idea that the Chiefs needed <laughs> this past game and it's hard to disagree with that i i think that <laughs> the chiefs benefited and got a little confidence out of that john i think it's probably a bad thing that we learned uh last week or no i guess against the cincinnati game in in uh, in the cincinnati yeah. game in week 17 that the defense has a call the freeway call to let the other team score. Now that's got all the analysts thinking, you know, yes. oh, the Chiefs must sometimes be allowing <laughs> them to score so that the offense will get pissed off. Man. I know, I gotta know that Nick was saying that in jest, where <laughs> the Chiefs needed the fumble. But hey, you know what? It, it, oh, it's man. weird, but it it did seem like that changed the entire uh, sure game, yeah. and and they played a lot better after T.J. Watt uh, fumbled the football. By the way, we got to get Nick Allegretti in the game. This guy threw down. Mm-hmm. TJ Watt, and then caught a beautiful touchdown pass. Uh, Nick Allegretti, who knew that he was the most dynamic player in the NFL? So congratulations to him. Congratulations to you for joining us here on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It's a playoff week, divisional round, 5.30 on Sunday. It's the Chiefs and the Bills. We'll have you covered all week, starting with the Arrowhead Drive here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. The Great British Chiefs show will take a look at the Buffalo Bills. And even if they're a little scared, it's okay. I, could, I can already hear Tom now shaking in his boots a little bit about this game. Brad, talk him down, if you would. <laughs> Thursday, we'll continue with the, an interview series. And Friday, show and BK. We'll have your full preview on this game. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com throughout. If you rate us, if you review us, I will read it on the show, as I did at the beginning of this program. Other than that, for Steve Serta, for John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.